Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What you're going to hear tonight is a little bit of everything. You're going to get this, me doing my intro. You get a little bit of my video diary, which if you want to watch with my face, you can head over to my Instagram, at James Gray Sport. And then you get me and Calvin chatting a bit about today's play at Roland Garros, and then a bit about tomorrow's as well. Um, we're going to try and do something like this every day over the Grand Slam. Sometimes it'll just be me, sometimes it'll be other people as well. Hopefully you enjoy. I kind of resolved to do these things semi-regularly when I'm away. Uh, when I was in Beijing doing the Olympics, people really enjoyed me doing a little couple of minutes at the end of my day talking about what it's like to go and cover these big events. Uh, apologies for the slightly creepy lighting. Uh, it's Basically, it's this or huge amounts of backlighting, which is worse. Um, if you don't believe I'm in Paris, uh, I mean, if you go and watch the video, or if you are in fact watching the video, then... Uh, you'll know that the sweat on my forehead should be enough proof that the humidity in Paris is uh, just about getting to me. Uh, it's my first ever day at Roland Garros in any capacity, either as a punter or a, a fan, so it's been really fun from that perspective. Just, I mean, I didn't get here until sort of mid-afternoon because that was the way my trains were, and yeah, it was kind of just amazing to, to be in a place. It was busy, you know, there are a lot of people there on the grounds. I know that Roland Garros doesn't always look like the busiest event because there are lots of empty seats quite often, but there were a lot of people there. Uh, it, maybe it was just because I was walking against the tide and more people were leaving than they were going in, but there were a lot of people there um, and kind of a different type of people. And, you know, Paris is a very fashionable city at the best of times and I felt pretty out of place in my kind of, you know, orange polo and white shorts. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, an experience. Um I'm staying in the 15th arrondissement, for anyone who knows Paris, kind of near Port Parc Georges Brassin, uh, which I walked through on my way from picking up the key in an epicerie to this lovely little studio Airbnb. Uh, and I walked through a park, which was lovely, said park, and there was an orchestra playing and a little choir, and there were horses trotting around with toddlers on them, and there was a fun fair. So I think I may have stumbled into a sort of Provencal fate uh it was very strange but there you go that's maybe a little bit more suburban it's a little bit more suburban here it's not mega central paris i mean it's technically still paris you know it's an arrondissement so it's not outside the central bit but um yeah a little bit different and then i uh got a tram to the seine and then walked the last 20 minutes or so to roland garros got suit to be lost uh and then got in and they've got a new press center at roland garros which is very swanky um and still quite cramped because there are a lot of journalists here, especially in the first week. There was more journalists in the first week because, you know, there are more players. So if you're, I don't know, the you know, 
Bulgaria is a bad example, but if you're the, I don't know, the Liechtenstein tennis correspondent, not there are any players, but you might have one player in the first week, uh, and then more often than not, they're out in the second week, so you probably don't stay. Uh, yeah, and then kind of spent some time writing, catching up with lots of people, and then headed on to court for Carlos Alcaraz against Juan Ignacio Londero. Uh, main learning there being they love Carlos Alcaraz here. I mean, re- it was really loud like when he got announced and then when he walked out and pretty much any time he did anything big. I mean, this guy, this guy is already a massive superstar. I mean, I don't need to tell you that, but he's really popular. <laughs> they really like him. Uh, and it was incredibly obvious, so... Yeah, that was uh, and nice to see. It's the first time I've seen him play in the flesh, I think. I I can't really remember, and, and that suggests to me that I didn't. But I cannot remember seeing him at Wimbledon last year. I feel like I might have made an effort because, you know, not to blow my own trumpet, but I've known about Carlos Alcrest for a while. So I, I do think that I might have gone to see him for a set on, you know, court three or something, but he obviously didn't get super far. You know, he got to the second round. And he lost to Medvedev. I don't think I watched that. And yeah, I'm told now that he had a five-setter against Uchiyama, which I'm not convinced I watched. But um, yeah, so my first time seeing him in the flesh, I suppose. And yeah, really, really good to see. And he was on Chatrier, and I suspect he might not play a match on Long Glen for quite some <laughs> quite some time. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I'm here for the next two weeks. Uh, if there's things you want to know or... Um, if you want to get in touch and, and say you're here, I'd love to meet as many of you as possible, whether you're the friends or I'm going to put this on the podcast as well. So whether you're watching on Instagram or listening on the podcast, let me know one way or another through podcast means or just through personal means. I'd love to see as many of you as possible. Uh, it's going to be an amazing two weeks. I think tomorrow is going to be quite wet. Uh, that's the, the talk in Paris, but um, hopefully we'll get some tennis nevertheless. See you tomorrow. Welcome to the first podlet. Now I'm in uh, Paris. My name's James Gray, as you already know. I work for iNews and the iNewspaper, as you already know. And I'm in Paris. Uh, we're going to be doing a few of these little podlets, uh, which are essentially just late night ramblings, sometimes including just me, sometimes me and Calvin, sometimes me, Calvin and George, sometimes me and George. Really just whoever's around late at night with very little to do. So expect lots of Calvin. Um <laughs> <laughs> who joins me this evening. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the first day at Roland Garros. We'll look ahead a bit to uh, the second day, because hopefully you'll be listening to this uh, on Monday morning, I should say. Um, we had a quite the day at Roland Garros today, really. I, I'm not sure I expected a huge amount to happen, but we lost a couple of high-profile female seeds. We lost one or two male seeds as well, although maybe a little less surprisingly there. Uh, the women's draw. We always know the women's draw will throw up some surprises. And Calvin, you said exactly this in our pre-French Open podcast. This is the final it should be, but we know someone's going to lose. Uh, George will claim, and since he's not here, we can say it was a nonsense claim, uh, that he predicted Ons Jabour would lose to Magda Lynette today. She lost in three sets I mean, it, it wasn't an easy first-round match, but Calvin, if, if Ons Jabeur wants to be winning Grand Slams, that that should not be a match she's losing. No. Um, yeah, you know, any of the players in the draw can play. I think one of the problems that Jabeur has is that because she's sort of slightly, somewhat underpowered, it's never going to be one of those situations where if her game's on, she'll win because it always lets the opponent in. They're always going to have a racket on the ball and that kind of thing, and then... Once, once that type of player then gets in a battle, they don't really have anything to fall back on. Like Jabot's a beautiful player, 
she's got nice skills, nice hands. But once they're in, once you get to sort of the three all in the third stage, there's nothing really that breaks you through that you can just fall back on, like say, uh, Osaka can be three all in the third and just reel off eight winners and it's mm-hmm. five three, and your board doesn't have that in the tank. Or someone like Savalenka or you know, yeah, uh, Pliskova can just produce four or five massive serving games and it, it takes the pressure yeah. off. Yeah. Um, you watched quite a lot of this match today, Calvin. I mean, there was a point, I think you said in, in our WhatsApp group, which is now famous, um, you said, I think that felt like a turning point in the match or something like that, or like a tidal point. I mean, it did feel yeah. like she had it under control. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. There was one point, wasn't there? I can't remember. So what she was it... a breakdown in the in the second set. I think I'm right in saying. So she, yeah. Jabur won the first set relatively comfortably. Yeah, and then she was... she was a breakdown in the second set, and she pulled it back. Yeah, but Lynette was forty fifteen up in that game, I mm. think. And then, um, and then, strangely enough, I'm contradicting everything I've just said there. That Jabur just reeled off four quick points. Yeah. and broke back, and you thought, right, okay, that's. That, that's the end of that. They thought that Lynette had a window and she had to win it there, but mm. turns out she didn't. No, it went down to a deciding set and looked for all money like we were going to a final set tie break, which I suppose you probably toss a coin on. But then Onzibu was 40 love up in the final game of the match and lost four points in a row uh, to hand Magdalene what must be one of the bigger wins of her career, given that she's world number 56 and, and never been to a serious stage of a Grand Slam. Um, we're not going to get the final we wanted, Calvin. That that obviously is, is true now. Um, where does Ons Jabeur go from here? Because she's obviously been in some high-profile matches. She's been to Grand Slam quarterfinals. Uh, this feels like a bit of a step backwards. Yeah, she's. I guess she's kind of at now where um, Sakari was a year ago. She's mm. kind of at that level. Who's hanging around, winning some of the tournaments, winning the tournaments below the Grand Slam level, competing regularly in semis and finals, but not really beating any of the big guns. Um, and then again, you could argue, has Sakari really moved on from that, I suppose? Mm. Uh, do you think it's a case of Ons Jabeur adding something to her game? You know, she's she's obviously, we've talked before about how she's a bit of a late bloomer. You know, she is already 27 years old. She's, she's five foot six. Those things aren't going to change. She's only going to get older. Is there a case of saying maybe go a little bit back to the drawing board and say, what can we change about my game? No, look, I don't think you go and do that. It's, you'll see it as a one-off match, and there might have been what she might add is, if she's in this position again, a little bit more experience. This is the first time that she's ever been... I mean, look, would any of us have predicted her for a semi-final before, before this at a slam? So she's come in, really basically been seen as... She wasn't in theory, but I think most people saw her as the number two seed. She was in the bottom half of the draw, wasn't she? She was in the bottom half. Yeah, yeah. 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 Bottom half of the draw. And it, it was kind of seen that. So maybe if she's in this position again, she'll do that. But I don't think in a game in terms of tactics or technique or any of her shots, I don't think you'd be going away and going because mm. we've lost, you know, end of the day, look, she lost 6 4 in the third. It's not, it's not like she got absolutely tonked. Yeah, nevertheless, a, a disappointing result for everyone who was looking forward to the Schwantech-Jabur final. A disappointing result for everyone who picked Ons Jabur in fantasy tennis, which actually was almost everyone. So in including some me. ways, <laughs> including you and including me, doesn't really make a difference, I suppose, uh, in that sense. Uh, the other major women's seed to lose out today was Garbina Muguruza, which I, 
I'm going to do a bit of a George Belshaw here and say I did kind of predict, because I did point out that she'd played some extremely bad tennis in the last couple of weeks, and that she had Kaya Kanepi in the first round. Um, the irony was that she was largely in control of the match. She took the first set 6-2. I saw Jose Milgado tweeting that he was surprised by how comfortably she was taking care of Kaya Kanepi, who we all know is a very tricky opponent at the best of times, but then it all went to pieces midway through the second set. Um, she actually had a lead in the second set as well. She probably should have put it away. She was 3-1 up, uh, and then Kaya Kanepi roared back to win. Uh, I'll tell you the exact score momentarily. 2-6, 6-3, in just over two hours. Calvin, I feel like every week, and actually this might have been the first week we didn't sit down and say, well, obviously a Garbina Muguruza should win this tournament because she always should win this tournament. I suppose Clay, maybe weirdly for a Spanish player, when you look at her game, Clay not her, maybe her favourite surface. I think her problem is that she's forgotten how to win. Like <laughs> she, she really looks at. That. I saw a little bit of the match today and saw a bit of the second set, and then I saw the end of it, and she really does look like she's forgotten how to get matches over the line. She mm. can still play tennis, obviously. She's a beautiful tennis player, but. I, I think she's just forgotten how to win tennis matches. Mm. She's been, I mean, to give you an idea, just to kind of some to quantify it a bit, her run of defeats in the last, well, pretty much since the Australian Open, um, where she obviously got to the, she was the second round of the Australian Open, lost to Corne uh, in Qatar. She lost to Ostapenko, India Wells. She lost first round to Risk. Uh, Madrid, she lost to Kalanina, Italian Open, she lost to Putin Saver, Morocco. She went and played Morocco last week, I mean, which is often a sign. You know, she went to play the week before a slam, clearly just to get a win. She beat uh, Danilina, the Kazakh player who she would always expect to beat, and then lost to Martina Trevisan, who, you know, went on and had a very good week. But nevertheless, not a great result and, and not a great result to lose to Kai Kanepi, who we always extol as a difficult first rounder. But she's not a seed in the end. That's why she often becomes a difficult first-rounder. And I think you'd expect Garbina Muguruza to put her away. She will now go onto the grass, which I, I do think is her better surface anyway. She always looks comfortable on it. Um, she obviously comes forward a lot, and, and that will help her on the grass. So, But I suppose that mentality stuff, Calvin, it doesn't matter what's under your feet if what's between your ears doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, she's 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 got to go somewhere. I'd be surprised if we saw her going deep in the grass. I don't think this, I really don't think this is a surface thing. Mm. I think she's she's got some confidence issues, and I don't know how you resolve those. Really, is she still getting coached by Martinez, Conchita Martinez? She's indeed, yeah, yeah. I I think like they always like to roll that one out that oh she well, she get she'll get Conchita back and like but like as if she comes on and sort of brings some magic potion and gets her back winning. But I think she, she loses just as much as she wins when she's got Martinez in a corner. Yeah, it's strange really, isn't it? I, you know, confidence is a funny thing and it, it's so easy to lose and it's it's quite kind of, uh, I don't know, it's very difficult to, to grab onto and get back. And I I wonder if there really is any proper way of, of getting it back. So, you know, some people will say, oh, desperately you change. Some people say, lean on the people you have around you. Um, I think it's worth looking at what, what Muguruza said afterwards. And she, someone asked her, is there anything you can put your year down to so far? And she said, it's been a soft, tough season. I've had matches so much in control, but then I don't manage to, to close them and it gets complicated. I feel I'm training hard and putting in the work and playing the tournaments and trying to switch those moments, trying to get more confident. And I feel that's actually quite a good summing up of saying, I don't know what's going wrong. All I know is that sometimes I've got hold of a match and then all of a sudden it slips away. And anyone who's ever had like sporting failure and repeated sporting failure knows that weird feeling 
You know the feeling when it yeah. just starts to go. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, a good analogy of confidence that I've seen before is it's like a sort of, it's like a, a leaky tap and yeah. you can just, you don't know what's going on, but it's dripping, constantly dripping out of you and there's no way of resolving it. You can try, you get the spanners out and it's still just dripping away and, and, and that's the problem. And I think almost like what you need in that situation is, look, there, there's a few things you need. You need to win multiple matches. You need to start stocking them up, but you also need to win in different ways. Like winning, if you just come out and swing and you, and you win in that way, that kind of doesn't solve it because you'll know in the back of your mind, I'm not playing like that every week. So what's going to happen then? You almost need to win. Although no one enjoys playing them. You need to win a couple of those really ugly matches where you play like shit and, and you just you, you just win. You nudge one out 7-5 in the third and then you nudge another out 6-4 in the third and, and just different type of matches to make you feel like you're back hmm. on, a, on an equilibrium. Yeah, fingers crossed Garbinia Magruta pulls out a couple of those. Um, there were a couple of seeds who went out in the men's draw as well, although less high profile to say the least. Uh, Jensen Brooksby uh, was beaten in the first round. He was the 31 seeding, and quite frankly, I don't think anyone really fancied him to go particularly far. Um, he lost to Pablo Cuevas, a man who knows his way around a clay court better than most. Uh, we also saw Alejandro Davidovich Fakina beaten in the first round, which... I guess probably is a bit of a surprise because he does play well on the clay and he obviously picked up a massive result uh, beating Novak Djokovic earlier in the season. But he lost to Talon Griexpor. Uh, there's a name podcast fans will remember well. Uh, the Dutch player, 2-6-6 love, 6-4-6-3. From everything that I know about Alejandro Davidic Fakina, I can tell you exactly what happened in that second set. Um, and I think that's probably all that needs to be said. Uh, <laughs> head may have gone on that particular occasion. Um, but yeah, that, that really does open up Alexander Zverev's draw, by the way, because he really now doesn't have much going uh, until he really gets to Alcaraz in the quarter. I, I, I picked uh, Davidic Fikina in fantasy tennis as well. So that's... <laughs> that might yeah. explain. Yeah, the, the, the thing what like, because I rushed through it. I, the thing what cracks me up about this, I rushed through it this morning because I knew it was closing and I'd not had a chance to do it yesterday. And when I was looking at the draw yesterday, actually in my own head thought, oh, I'll tell you what, Greek score could beat Davidic Fikina. <laughs> <laughs> they completely forgot when I was going down the list. I thought, oh, David Fikini's decent on clay. I'll go for him. Um, yeah. Not anymore. Um, let's look forward to tomorrow or today, as it almost certainly is, if you're listening. Um, we've got a, a bad forecast for Paris tomorrow. As I was walking home uh, tonight, as you will have heard in the video diary, I, uh, I saw some pretty serious lightning, which I think is going to disrupt play. But there is a roof now on Philippe Chatrier. So the four matches scheduled on there will get played uh, no matter what. Igor Shrontek up against Lesia Serenko. I don't think we expect anything from that. Diane Parry playing Barbara Krajikova, which will be interesting, if only because she hasn't played in three months. Um, and then Jordan Thompson against Rafael Nadal. Now, Calvin, Rafael Nadal is the king of just absolutely obliterating people in early rounds. Um, but I do wonder whether this might be a bit different. It'll be a big kind of form check for him, just in terms of the foot, won't it? Yeah, as I said on the main pod that we did the other day, that, that I think gives a good indication. If if Nadal's sort of struggling through it, you might you might take a couple of. Although weird, well, he's not out of match practice, is he? He's played quite a few matches hmm. recently. It's not like he needs those. He's, Just in pain. Yeah, he's played most of the tournament, so I still think we'll see him dishing out a bit of a beating. If I'm honest, I spe- I do feel like I mean Jordan Thompson. God love him. Like you know, he's a he's a fun guy. He's had a great moustache quite recently, and you know, he God loves a trier. But sure, I mean. You know, you couldn't think of a much better opponent. It, later on, Novak Djokovic will play Yoshihito Nishioka, 
who, I mean, is just absolute breakfast for someone like Novak Djokovic, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not great for Jordan Thompson if the things that you're listing in his favour is he had a great moustache. I mean, it's not like going. I'll tell you what, he's got a big serve. He could cause some problems. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a great moustache. Yeah, yeah, Thompson and um, Thompson and um, Nishioka. Yeah, they're yeah. absolute. He's going to chew those guys up. <laughs> Just. Kind of to to side point that I mean it won't make a difference in those matches, but roof over. I mean, what does that change about the conditions and and who does like when it comes to Nadal and Djokovic? Nadal traditionally doesn't do better indoors, is that right? Yeah, he's not got a great record indoors, um, but they don't play any clay court tournaments indoors either. So mm. I wouldn't read anything into that. It's normally yeah. just because they're hard courts indoors, and hard is probably it's all relative. The guys won like what think about seven slams on hard court so we're going <laughs> hard court's his weakest surface but still pretty good on it but yeah it'll move through the air a bit quicker but i don't think it'll make a whole lot of difference to be honest good um we've also got a lot of brits in action tomorrow it, it, you know if indeed we do get any tennis uh, all five in the main draw are main draws i should say are playing tomorrow um, i'll run you through them quickly and, and when we think they're going to get out on court again with the weather it's kind of made up but uh, Raducanu is playing Linda Noskova, the uh, junior French Open champion from last year who came through qualifying. Uh, we think that's going to be on court about 2 o'clock UK time. Dan Evans up against Francisco Cherindula. Uh, he's on court 7 second. They'll start at 10 a.m. UK time, so he'll probably be on about midday if the weather's good or earlier. Um, we've also got Harriet Dart. She's up against Martina Trevisan, which I think is probably the least likely British victory. She's on first, so in theory, she'll be starting at 10am. Uh, and then we've got Cam Norrie as well. He's straight after Raducanu. And finally, Heather Watson up against Elsa Giacomo. Um, I suppose the most interesting matchup there, Calvin, and I think we've touched on it a bit before, but is Raducanu against Linda Noskova. I mean, she's, I always think, you come through someone who's qualified for a slam for the first time. You know, she won all three matches in qualifying massive emotional high she won junior Roland Garros last year it's not a nice match is it uh it's not but I would think Raducanu will take care of her uh pretty comfortably she's she's kind of stopped losing matches to people who you'd think there's no way she should be losing to her and mm. there isn't any way she should be losing to this girl um similar thoughts on Dan Evans I know you said you thought you had a good draw when it came out no because Cherindulo is not a bad player mm. um so I think I think it's a good I think it's a decent draw for Evo. You know, it's not one that you'd think it's a nightmare. Um I think it's a decent draw and then if he wins that, I think whoever wins that's winning the next one. It's so, Ema or Duckworth, isn't it? Yeah, fact, I yeah. think they may have played today, so we may even have a result from that. But Yeah. Um but yeah, I think I would favour Evo in that, to be honest. Mm. I was talking about this at dinner with a couple of other journalists, um, and how he, he's obviously been with Creative for quite a long time now compared to you know, he, he previously, once he got rid of Hiltz, he went through a couple of people. Um, and one of the big things that Prieto said to him when he beat Djokovic on clay was he said, play your game. Like, don't try and play clay court tennis. Try and play Dan Evans tennis. I mean, do you think that's valid? Do you think he's someone who benefits from just going out? Because he plays a game that doesn't traditionally suit clay courts. Yeah, the slice holds up a bit too much in the clay, uh, which is a problem for him. And he likes the slice a lot. Um but at the same time, the clay allows a lot more time for skillful players and that kind of thing, and that's what Evo is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he probably is the right advice for him. Hmm. 
Um, as I say, Heather Watson, I mean, I think Heather Watson should be Elsa Giacomo, who I don't know a lot about, I'll admit, but she is a French wildcard, which would suggest that um, in the same way that there are sometimes some easy pickings at wildcards at other tournaments, uh, she should be someone who comes through. Harriet Dart, really up against it, against Martina Trevisan, who can really play on clay. Um, I mean, we've talked a little bit about Harriet Dart before, for people who don't know her, she's pretty underpowered. I think that's probably a... She's got, I think, the slowest second serve in the top 200. Is that right? Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, that was, I assume it hasn't changed. <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, is clay kind of the surface that gives her the most chance? I mean, does it does it least penalise her? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I'd say grass is probably a favourite surface because mm. she can get a little bit more off the ground. Um, mm. So it goes through a little bit more clay. It holds up a bit, but she, you know, the thing with Harriet, she competes. She'll yeah. compete, and she'll one hundred percent think that she's favourite to win mm. that tomorrow. So, um, and that's half the job. Good luck to her. Um, Cam Norrie up against Manuel Guinar, who anyone who heard the main pod will have heard a little bit about him. Um, the, the real pick for me tomorrow is Amanda Anisimova against Naomi Osaka. Now, eyebrows were raised when this order of play came out because it was on first on Long Glen, not on Chatrier, and on at te- eleven in the morning local time here in Paris. Um, it's been pointed out to me since that that will be prime time in Japan, uh, which I suppose is a reasonable excuse. Although, you know, why on Long Glen? I suppose you can't put Nadal and Djokovic on Long Glen or Schwantek and the other one match involves a French player. But I don't know I, 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 against a defending champion, which you know it's a strong argument. But I, I do think Anisimova versus Saka deserved slightly bigger billing. Um, Calvin, if you had to predict Anisimova Osaka, are you pretty confident backing Anisimova? No, I think that's a 50 50. Um, I think Anisimova is hardly the most consistent player. She's in decent form, but she, you know, anything can happen. Then, mm. no doubt, knowing the little bit that I know about Anisimova, she's probably been enjoying Paris. Um, <laughs> uh, I saw her doing a fashion shoot yesterday. Yeah, I can tell you um, that much. Um, yeah, I mean, I think on, on that with the, the scheduling, I assume that. that she probably wanted it to go primetime in Japan. And I guess after last year, the the authorities there, whatever she asks for within reason, they're probably going to grant. I think also she, she talked a lot in her pre-tournament press about how nervous she was for this year's French Open. I mean, kind of specifically the press conference because of what happened last year. But I imagine those nerves are pretty strong as well. And I think, you know, we know that these top players to an extent get to choose when they play. So Djokovic, for example, is playing night tennis tomorrow and I suspect he will play night tennis every day that he plays now because that's usually what happens. Um, I suspect if I were Osaka, I would have said, oh, do you think you could just hide me on Long Glen at 11 in the morning and just a little bit away from the limelight? Which, you know, yeah. you can ask. Like, I, I don't actually really have a problem with players asking for preferential treatment. It's the tournament's decision whether they ignore them or not and more often than not, they don't ignore the the big players. Yeah, I think it's the same at any level, though. You know, to be honest, refs tend to be. You get two types of refs. You get the ones who are, who are very accommodating, and mm-hmm. they'll they'll try and if whatever you ask for, they'll they'll go yeah, and and you'll if they can do it, they will. And then you get other refs who you can request, and they'll just completely ignore you and do whatever they want because they think the tournament revolves around the refs. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I say, I, I think they're probably thinking. Unofficially, I'm certain that no conversation has been had, but they're probably thinking, look, within reason, what whatever Naomi asked for, let's let's try and grant it because we know how last year turned out and it, it didn't reflect great on anybody. 
no agreed uh it should be a great day uh of course it'll pee with rain and therefore it won't be a day at all but uh fingers crossed nevertheless and i'll tell you one thing we will be back tomorrow in some format thanks calvin see you later Cheers. sports social podcast network